0: Dior Talks.
1: The female case uh, for me, is about changing the way we present women in fashion. More like a subject, not uh, as an object. The women are represented in many different ways, uh, not only one way. This is very important for me. It's also what I try to make with my work in Dior. There are many elements in the female case. In this episode of Dior Talks, we hear from Vivian Sassen, who is celebrated internationally for her photography that blurs the boundaries between the fields of fine art and fashion. Born in Holland in the early 1970s, Sassen's style is influenced by memories of her early childhood experiences in East Africa, blending elements from surrealism and abstraction. There's a dreamlike quality to her imagery that makes you realise that what we get is not always what we see. I'm Charlotte Johnson, a journalist and the author of Girl on Girl, Art and Photography in the Age of the Female Gaze, book exploring the work of pioneering women photographers working today. You're listening to Deal Talks, conversations on the female gaze. So I've seen um, some videos of your space, which looks incredible. Um, So is that where you're generally based? You work there? That's your studio as well. Like, what's your? Yes, this is my studio. Wow, amazing! And how has it been for you? You know, this this kind of period, like uh, the situation, has it been like a time for you to go back over your archive? Have you been able to make any any work or? What, what have you been doing in this kind of lockdown period? Well, the weird thing is that I
0: already um, felt like uh, slowing down a little bit uh, last mm. December. I was already kind of looking forward to a year with uh, less travel, travel less, um, less work. Yeah, I really felt like going into my archive again, cleaning up etc etc but of course it's a very surreal uh, time Mm -hmm. at the moment but but i do actually from a personal point of view i really i really like the the time to rest and to contemplate on on things so yeah and i i also decided to 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 have more unhindered time Uh, and more energy and time for the for the people i love so uh yeah in that sense it's it's been good
1: and so just before the the lockdown began you opened Mm -hmm. quite a big show um there right in amsterdam and it's a venue that you've exhibited at um eight years ago can you tell me a bit about that exhibition because i'm quite intrigued i mean i didn't get the chance to see it myself yeah
0: well it wasn't opened bec- uh, because it it was shut down just before the opening uh we oh, no heard uh, that it that everything had to be shut down on the 13th of march and uh, it would open on the 14th so no uh, unfortunately oh, it wasn't um, we weren't able to uh, to party
1: <laughs> wow so it was installed and everything yeah it was, yeah everything was installed yeah
0: it, it's a great place it's a, it's called the house marseille and it's mm-hmm. um it's a museum for photography and it's on the one of the canals here in amsterdam and it's two of these old canal houses interconnected um so there is a lot of rooms that, in total there's like 14 spaces in the in a museum and when i exhibited there eight years ago it was uh, still just one of the buildings which was also already quite big but um, mm. uh, back then I showed uh, in and out of fashion which is uh, was which was like a compilation of 17 years of my fashion photography yeah that yeah. was in
1: 2012. Right. I mean, you were still quite young at that point to have such a, well, <laughs> a big kind of survey show. You know, most most artists. I mean, you're still young, but to you know to have a show um, already at that point, mm-hmm. to have, having done so much work and, and work so prolifically did that come with any kind of pressure and how did you kind of establish yourself to that point so early on Mm -hmm. in your career, I
0: guess? Well, I don't think I was that young. I was, I was about 40. I'm 48 now. So I already worked for about 17 years. Um, and, um, I don't know. It wasn't, it, no, I didn't feel like a pressure, more like an exciting, uh, opportunity and really, really fun to, uh, to fill the whole museum with my, with my fashion photography. And um, it was interesting because I thought fashion photography is not something that you should show in a museum. So in the beginning, I thought it was quite um, problematic. Uh, I struggled to find the the right um, uh, way to to show the work. And then I came up with um, uh, this installation with a lot of images because I wanted to also to show a quantity and also the... uh Kind of the disposability, I suppose, of of the medium of fashion photography and magazines. Uh, it was an interesting way to to show the the the, the fashion for the photographs because I didn't feel like just putting them them up on the wall in a frame. You
1: see, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, one of the things that I I think is so exciting about your work and that you know personally I think you've been such a leader in doing is showing you know blurring those boundaries between what is fine art and what is fashion and Mm -hmm. kind of Mm -hmm. you know that cross-pollination which is clearly you know there on both sides but somehow we still maintain that these two fields are uh, are separate and I mean have you come up against any sort of um, I guess snobbism when you've tried to present your work in the art world context because of the fashion work or because I know what the art world can be like and yes. you know on on the other hand has it been a tool an obstacle in that you can work in you know in your kind of niche way and be quite you know yeah. pres- you know you have your your aesthetic and your kind of mm-hmm. um, standards I guess that might be treated differently than when you work with fashion what, what has that kind of navigating that been like for you on a sort of pragmatic level I guess
0: I don't know. I think both these careers or I don't know how to call this, but (laughs) I think I always developed both the art and the fashion simultaneously over over time, ever since the beginning. And I always somehow tried to uh, keep them apart just uh, for my own um, clarity, I guess. Uh, and I've always seen them as two very different parts of my personality almost. Like the art is much more introvert and it's much, much more personal while the the fashion is, uh, is much more of a collaborative uh, process, which I love. And I just love the fun of it. And it's, it also, it feels like a laboratory where I can just experiment with things. Although you might think the other way around and, I don't know. I think there's still people in the art world who kind of look down on on artists when they feel it's they make work which is too commercial or frivolous. Yes, I think I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> That's something that I learned a long time ago, that you can't please everyone. It's just impossible. So I de- I decided long ago to just do what I love. And what I love and still love is just to combine the two, to have these two separate worlds that some, sometimes um, intertwine but um, are still two separate worlds and I can just step in and out of them, which gives me an enormous freedom to to be free to make my own choices, both financially and artistically. Right,
1: yeah, and I think that's a really important point because people often forget in you know, all the criticism um, that... It's very, very difficult to make a living from being an artist, let alone a Mm -hmm. photographic artist, you know, with so many photographers, photography being the kind of lowest earning or lowest valued medium Mm -hmm. still, you know, partly because it's still a young medium, but, um, you know, you're not selling works for the same price as paintings at auctions or or even in galleries so you know one allows you I guess to 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 support the other and do the the artistic practice but do you I mean it's quite interesting to me that you do consider them separate in a sense so you know but when you look at the works the visual language is quite Uh coherent whether we look at your fine art photography or your or your fashion Mm -hmm. photography so how do you you know, do you approach them in the same way when it comes to actually making and you know shooting works?
0: Mm, I think well, it's still my eyes, you know, and I and my brain. Yeah. I think the aesthetics is that is somehow the same of the way I use the light, the shadow, the graphic yeah. shapes in my work, and the colors yeah, visible. Absolutely. I think then again, the process is very, very different. And I think the art is much more much more personal
1: and I guess in terms of the ideas like you said it's a collaboration when it comes to fashion so I was thinking of that amazing shoot that you did for um for the Dior magazine um which for me kind of really represents you know both your fashion and your fine art language in one you know in a commercial context Mm -hmm. um so you did um these photographs that have all of those trademarks of yours so the kind of the colors the the you know you're really known as the sort of light and shade photographer i think mm-hmm. um it was a spring summer 2018 uh, ready to wear collection how did you approach that that shoot and how did those Im- i mean those images are really yeah they're just so beautiful
0: yeah with the very strong colors and the um, very graphic Uh, yeah often i I, we we discuss an idea with the with the art director or in this case also with the the makeup artist because uh, this was Uh also a makeup shoot well this was one of the instances that i took uh um, a formal aspect from one of my art sh- shoots or artworks and brought it into a fashion shoot uh, which I have done before but um, normally when we start a shoot like that uh, everything goes very organically so just working in a studio putting up the light putting up uh, these uh, perspec shapes and see what happens
1: that's amazing yeah I mean yeah. I love I love the way that you kind of use light almost you know because photography is known as the medium of painting with light and Mm -hmm. I think that that's something that very strongly kind of comes through in your work and I Mm -hmm. know that a lot of the kind of the contrast the shadow Mm -hmm. and the very particular light that you use in your work is inspired mm-hmm. by your early childhood and your kind of subsequent subsequent travels in, in yeah. East Africa and, and specifically mm-hmm. in Kenya where you lived as a, as a child from the age of two I think till five is that right yes um, yeah that's your father right. was yeah. working as a doctor there uh-huh. uh, why was it that it left such a profound impression on you you know um
0: well we lived in a very small village like tiny um there was like a little marketplace where uh, women sold um some vegetables and stuff and there was a tiny little post office um but there was a hosp- hospital my father worked there as a doctor and um i went to school uh with the, so but all my classmates were african uh canyon and i was the only w- white child at that time and um i don't know I, I think i was so young it was th- this time when you experienced everything for the very first time so i guess it's it's just in my spine it's 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 um it's my blueprint so to so to say um I don't know if you're if you're that young you still have this phase of magical thinking and somehow I um all these uh, memories came back later on of my childhood but they were somehow always connected to the surreal to to my dreams to my own fantasies um that is also always very prevalent in young children of that age mm. so I I went back there Uh, to the place where I lived uh, with my husband he's Dutch and his father was also working as a doctor in Africa so he was born in Zambia yeah he was born in Zambia where her fa- his father worked as a doctor and he lived in Tanzania for a long time and um, so when we met we found out that we had this mutual uh, background and started wow. traveling first to South Africa and we spent a lot of time in the uh, in the townships there and shot a lot of work and um, became friends with a lot of young people there of our age. And then after a year or two, we went to East Africa and showed each other all the places of our childhood. Um, so we went to Tanzania, to Kenya. Um, and that was very interesting because then for the very first time, I went back to the place that I, where I lived, just on my own with my boyfriend, of course. But then... As a photographer, or as a young photographer with um, with my with my camera, somehow I think all these dreams and memories and this surreal childhood fantasies kind of interlocked uh, in my head, and suddenly I had this medium, photography, this camera, which I could use, and then I started taking pictures that I hadn't done before uh, to stage my pictures. And suddenly, somehow, it made a click that while there and while photographing in Africa, I could take this freedom to create the images that were in my head, instead of images that are so well known of Africa. Um, because beforehand, all I knew was these kind of were these kind of images like national geographic or so beautiful landscapes and nature or um or it was like the grainy black and white pictures of hunger and AIDS etc were so different from the Africa that I had known from from my childhood and somehow I felt that there was missing so then I started making all these images that um that later on became well-known.
1: And I guess with, you know, them becoming well-known, they also came with some criticism, right? And I know Mm -hmm. that this is kind of a a contentious, it's been a contentious issue in your work that, you know, Mm -hmm. as a white European, you know, despite your background and the fact that you... Have this personal connection, um, which yeah. I know is also it was a deeply evocative experience for you to go back um, later. And you, the, a lot of your images are based on your own kind of dreams, and yeah. you know, you said you started having these kind of vivid dreams that you would then, mm-hmm. you know, the next day go out and kind of stage. Yeah. I mean, how how do you feel about those questions around your work now, and how do you kind of address them? Um, mm-hmm. You know, your style has been, I think, you know, the photographs that you've taken. Um, in Kenya are you know they are really really beautiful and they do give us a new perspective you know of a new new African identity in a certain way mm-hmm. um and, and many other photographers have have started to do that both African and non-African um mm-hmm. you know representing this kind of clash of modernity with um yep. with tradition and I think of people like Hassan Hajaj but obviously you know depicting kind of a Morocco from his perspective now but he being Moroccan Mm -hmm. What difference does it make the fact that you're a white European woman and how do you kind of, you know, that you're portraying these black subjects and how do you address those sort of criticisms um, that have been sort of leveled at your work?
0: Well, I think, I mean, there's of course a huge political debate about representation and um, right now and uh, righteously so. And uh, I always try to stay away from the political, but th- of course there's no way to avoid it. And um, I th- I think it's very important to I think the online debate is, is is very hard and and nuances get lost very easily. But I I think personally I've had this learning curve, and, which is I don't know very long and flaky, because of course I. I experienced things while travelling or while showing my work to other people and I think I think my personal history is quite different from a lot of other people's history so we just look with different eyes I mean I was the only white child in in a or you know in a black world uh, that was I found that was both a position of exclusion but also of privilege but that was something that I discovered only much later when I was uh, older, and I didn't really know what what racism was that it that it existed until I was about eight or so, and uh, my mom told me told me about it, and I was shocked. I I it was not something that was known to me, or it was just uh, something very weird. I thought it it, it was when we were black, back in. In, in, in Holland, that she explained to me that some people were uh, treated differently because of the, the color of their skin. And I, I was really shocked and I felt like you know this uh, urge to tell them that that i wasn't like all the other people (laughs) um my my intentions were always good also later Mm -hmm. on when i started photographing and not of exploitation um, and i was always trying to to guard my own integrity but uh, over time you experience things and you learn and at some point you you can't be naive anymore you know, right. and you understand better why people think in a certain way and um, I began to understand better why some people criticized me for my work but the, sh- the situation I came from personally is much different from for instance um the people of african descent or uh, in the usa or people uh, of uh, of color from south africa because of um their history of apartheid i I i think um everybody has his own personal mindset and beliefs formed by formed by their personal history and i think that's very interesting so i want to keep asking these questions or raise these questions. But my work itself in the base is not political. It's humanitarian. It's human. It's it's about the, the human condition. At least those are the things that I'm interested in. Um, but I think at some point I felt that the whole political debate was so strong and so... Um, so tense that I kind of steered away from photographing in Africa also to to rethink my own position within the debate yeah and there's a lot of people um from the black community who have asked me to work with them like for instance like um frank ocean and uh, kamasi washington and and that somehow strengthens me in in the idea that that there's a different meaning or different voice that is heard somehow through the work
1: you know your position and your your perspective as you say is it it Mm -hmm. it does make a difference um you know and i think it is it is far more complicated than a lot of perhaps like you know online discussion really allows for Mm -hmm. and that 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 the debate can get quite um to some quite difficult place, yeah, in in itself. Yeah. It's hard to have those conversations online with, you know, anonymous people. It's important to have those in those discussions kind of in person, face to face, and you know, individuals between individuals and Definitely. I'm interested that you've also worked as a model in your in your twenties, right? Um mm-hmm. how did that yeah. experience also kind of because now you know you're behind the camera you've, got, mm-hmm. you've had this experience in front of the camera and how was it to work as a model and how has that affected how you now look at people or how you kind of shoot and mm. kind of interact with people when you're behind the mm. camera i think one of the reasons that i that i
0: decided to pick up that camera was because I wanted to somehow um, to regain power over my own body basically mm-hmm. because I did feel this kind of male gaze um, back in the 90s when I was working as a model, There, most of the fashion photographers were, m- were men and um, um, I felt very clearly uh, that they had certain expectations in the sense that how they wanted me to perform be, uh, in front of the camera Like, uh, you know, pout your lips, um, pretend that you are uh, blowing away a little feather, uh, you know, like sexualizing the the, the female body. And um, I was kind of, uh, I was kind of shocked, but Mm. I also thought it was quite hilarious. And I thought, well, I'm not going (laughs) to, I'm not going to do that. When I picked up the camera myself, I started making a lot of self-portraits just to reclaim, I guess, my own body and to, and I was still so young, so I was still also um, um, exploring my own sexuality and my own body mm-hmm. and um, my own personality, I guess. And in that sense, I think it has informed the way I work with models now, because I, so if I photograph women it's not like we never go into this uh, eroticism or something because it's still it's very powerful as well but then I think um, I'm more interested in images of powerful women minding their own business minding their own sexuality and there's a certain hidden source within them and that's what I try to uh, visualize so you don't see everything maybe you see their body but then you won't see their face or you see their face but you won't see uh, their their naked body or something so there's always space for the for the unknown and um i guess um women are more interested in that side of other women or in that kind of sexuality or Erotic image. I think. I think an image of a woman made by another woman doesn't have to be uh, sweet or docile. They can still be strong sexual images. I feel like if I'm in the process of working with a with another woman, um, me as a photographer and she as a model, I think uh, this this bond is very special. There's this kind of sisterhood. which uh, which allows us to go to places where a male photographer wouldn't be able to go maybe but it also depends of course on the on the person who is in front of the camera because some girls really like to work with the, with male photographers
1: yeah absolutely I mean that's another thing that I love um, about what you do is that you do kind of deconstruct almost these um ideas around sort of femininity and masculinity and the fact that you kind of obscure the body and it's broken up and it's kind of we relate to it in a more geometric form perhaps or in a more abstract mm-hmm. form your current exhibition though the one that's well the one that's closed at the moment that hopefully will it, it will open soon great yeah june 1st <laughs> uh-huh. so that's called venus and mercury and um yes. there's some really fascinating stories um embedded mm-hmm. in those um images because you've created some new works for that as well. Um it's all about the French royal courts in the seventeenth and eighteenth yeah. centuries, um you know, including Marie Antoinette, who's obviously um, you know, a really intriguing figure. Um did you want to, you know, was this a deliberate choice to kind of foreground the female voice and the female experience yes yes yeah definitely it, it was um I mean Versailles is
0: first and foremost a place of of male dominance and power and um for instance Louis XIV he had like four official mistresses and 13 unofficial mistresses and well. <laughs> far from, I mean, the whole situation was far from equal. Kings were allowed to have mistresses and it only added to their power and status while uh, a queen had to hide her true love uh, or her feelings for people or, or her her lovers because that was unheard of and would take away uh, the power from the king. Uh, there were a few. There were quite a lot of women actually who did have some power in 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 the French court, and they gained political power. Like people like uh, Madame de Maintenon, Madame de Montespan, Madame de Pompadour, and um, they had an important role at the royal court. But. But still, men had the real power. And for instance, the the, the brother of Louis XIV, the Sun King, um, his little his younger brother was brought up as a girl and w- was always put into girls' clothes uh, from a very young age on- onwards. To, to minimize his threat to his older brother. Wow. I don't know, there's numerous stories about, yeah, this inequality between women and men, and I thought it was fascinating.
1: And yeah, I mean, that persists now, but I think, you know, you're bringing out, you know, some of these figures are kind of subversive and controversial, mm-hmm. they're not the typical passive women that we're, you know, used to, to seeing. I think I just have one, one last question, and it's, is there a photographer who has particularly inspired you, or that has influenced you in your work?
0: Mm, no, no, I don't think so. There's, there are many. When I was younger and still in art school, I was really, really fond of people like uh, uh, Nan Goldin um, mm. and Araki, uh, people who made these kind of um, very personal documents uh of of their own world basically in a in a very poetic way i think that inspired me a lot back then but i think over time i don't know i'm inspired by so many people and so many uh, artists that i can't really pick one but I'm, i'm often more inspired by uh, by sculpture or painting i don't know the last century for instance I
1: can see that in your work and you you had a you had a show in um the Hepworth wakefield yeah so i mean and obviously um barbara she, she's someone that you were inspired by or that whose work you kind of had looked at i didn't before, know yeah. her work before i <laughs> exhibited really? it at wow. a, yeah okay yeah i guess she's really known here or in certain places but maybe not y- yeah in england yes that's a beautiful beautiful spot to exhibit and funny because i do very strongly see relationship between your work and hers as well with these kind of um you know geometric forms and yes. also sort of biomorphic uh-huh. <laughs> a great great venue to to show your work as well thank you so much for your time thank you and thank you for your time